Hey, welcome back, back to the infamous podcast. This is Brian. This is Daryl. And, and Daryl back in the saddle. Back in the saddle. Daryl is every bit apology for for life getting in the way of everything last week. <laughs> Daryl also has everybody apology for us recording this on Sunday at almost 7 p.m. Um, no, I'm kidding. Anyway, uh, life got in the way. That happens. We uh, we roll with it. Um, we're recording right now so we can get something out on Sunday as usual. Um, and if you're listening to this between, I don't know, like 9 o'clock Sunday night and 7 p.m. Monday evening and you're in the Cincinnati area, come join us at Fretboard. Bring a new unopened toy and enjoy yourself. There will be free shirts. I brought more this time too. Sweet. I think I have. Yeah, I, I will say, I will say that the shirt I got was the last time we were there, and I tried to wear it the a uh, couple weeks ago. It fits me like a muscle shirt. The um, it was with the with the shoe. Yes, the all star. Yeah, I love. I yeah. I was like, oh, this is this is a large, and I usually take large. And yeah, there's. A, I mean, there's, maybe I'm just like, maybe I'm just that buff now. You've but. just you swelled. <laughs> You're swolled. Um, swole. Swolled. Anyway, uh, dude. So I have a huge week. I haven't even talked to you like this week at all because like everything going on with you and your uh, your 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 life situation. Um, mm -hmm. So we've, we're recording tonight. We're recording tomorrow. I got training on Tuesday, and then I'm going to AEW in Indianapolis on Wednesday. Oh, sweet. I, I didn't even know they were in Indy. In the second row. <laughs> oh, boy. You're going to get some of that. We you are. get that MJF sweat. We are on. Probably not because we're on. <clears throat> we're facing. We're, the, 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 the camera will be to my back. But okay. we're right by the ring steps when they come in. So maybe I, I could uh, say hi to, to my friend MJF. <laughs> Oh my god, that dude! His, dude, his promo this past week—he is so not mid. It's awesome. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I'm gonna be really tired next Friday when we record. Um, it's a big week. Anyway. Oh yeah, because they shoot three things, right? No, yeah, okay. they um no because uh Rampage will be live because this is the go home show for the pay per view, um or the go home okay. dynamite for for full gear, which I'll be getting Saturday night. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but dude so much has happened um we had a whole rundown we threw it out um we were going to talk about alec baldwin but as we were prepping for today i decided who cares um he killed a lady let the courts figure it out they don't need us talking about it there's so much like misinformation and um i, I the only thing i do want to say about it daryl is that mm -hmm. um that little like statement he made to the press when he was like, she was the my video? friend. Yeah. She was my friend. She was my friend. Um, I mean, Alec Baldwin is not a great actor. That was really, really bad acting on Alec Baldwin's part. That Whoever told him he should do that. I think it was his, his fake Spanish wife. She should be fired. Yeah. Because that was a terrible decision. It was terrible. Just, yeah. So. It, made, it was cringe and it made him look even worse it me. makes him look guilty is what it does yeah it does so it's it like does. oj saying uh he doesn't want to go to los angeles because he could be sitting next to the person that killed nicole and uh, he's just trolling people now and, yeah it is like oj is it's absolutely like, dude, trolling you are people always sitting next to the person who <laughs> killed them um especially if you're sitting next to a mirror uh 
anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, you know, but still, I mean, a lot's happened. Um, we didn't get to talk about the second week at Dune. Um, I did not go see it again. Uh, I did I not either. Can't. I didn't even actually get to see it. And I didn't. I started watching it, and then I turned to something else. Well, like two minutes in, so I was like, I'd rather watch the new movie. There is something we're reviewing today. I'm not going to tell you which one um, of the two movies we're going to talk about that I've watched three times, not because I needed to, but because I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, you can probably guess, but keep that to yourself. Uh, anyway, so it's Spider-Man, right? It oh, is no, wrong show. Yes. No, Venom 2. <laughs> I, 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 I've watched Venom 2 32 times today. No. Venom, uh, Venom, 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 Venom. Damn you. How Venom. dare you? <laughs> I want to be judicious with the how dare you today. Just like, uh, you know, I'm going to be the judge, Judy, and executioner of the how dare you meme. Uh, sound be code. responsible. So, no, no response. I hold no responsibility for it. Press the button responsibly. <laughs> All right. So let's get to the first story. Um, so under, under News Bites, we, we've just got a couple things to talk about. But the first thing is I just came across this as we were getting ready to talk about the show. Um Bounding has this this article that says Thor Love and Thunder writer claims superhero storytellers are more exciting than actual superheroes. So before we talk anything about this article, I just have one thing to say. You're the goddamn writer. Make them more exciting, you hack. <laughs> that is yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um Okay, so Thor Love and Thunder writer Jennifer Caitlin Robinson declared that people behind the camera are more exciting than the actual superheroes. Robinson commented on the roundtable interview with The Hollywood Reporter for their upcoming next-gen issue. When asked about the future of the genre, Robinson said, We are at the point where women and people of color are front and center. And yes, the people on screen look different. But what do people behind camera look like? That's what's most exciting to me about the future of superhero movies. I don't think it's the superheroes. I think it's the storytellers. How dare you? Anyway, that is just stupid. If you're more excited about what's going on behind the camera, stop writing movies, go work for The Hollywood Reporter, and write about what's happening behind the cameras where actors are shooting directors of photography. Truth. And before I get into what she's saying, did a little IMDb digging, and she once again follows this recent trend that Marvel, for whatever reason, has Entry level. in picking people that have no experience on their resume in writing. All right. She has five writing credits, a TV series, Sweet and Vicious, Someone Great, Unpregnant, Thor Love and Thunder, and then the show movie Strangers. That's it. How she. The only thing I've again, heard of on that list is Thor Love and Thunder. Yes. And the fact how she. And again, she could actually knock it out of the park. Okay. You know, I, you whatever, know I, would, but, I would have said that before reading this article, but I think the yes. whole, uh, um, you know, what's happening behind the camera is more exciting than what's happening on camera. Um, your job is to make your job is to write a story that is exciting in front of said if, camera. 
Yeah, it, it's along the lines of, and this is how I, I'll liken it. If you're at a sporting event and you're more excited about what's going on in the crowd than what's going on in, on the field, it's a problem. Yeah. Um, and again, it's not to say that there are some things when we were talking about this a minute ago, there are a couple of things on here that she says that I absolutely agree with. The problem is I think there's going to be a disconnect with what she says in this article mm-hmm. versus what she does you know, when she was writing. And again, one of the things I like, she says, you never want to bring in an element that is going to take people out of the movie. Right. She continues. I don't think running at topical or political stuff for the sake of its very, of, of it is very interesting, but there is so much you can mine when you take something very real and put in this hyper world. Now, again, we've mentioned this before when we're talking about how Star Trek has changed. Mm. Look at some of the stories of the original series or the next generation and how they put important topics in. And it wasn't topical in the sense of, you know, ripped from the headlines, but they made it so you understood where Star Trek was coming from without it being, without being one, taken out of the universe of that right. is Star Trek. Yeah. And also without being said, Really? Are you preaching to me about this? Well, there's a level of sophistication that no longer exists in writing. Yes. From movies to comic books to novels to TV shows to stand-up to whatever it is, right? There's very few writers nowadays who are sophisticated enough to get their point of view across without beating you over the head with Mjolnir. Yes. (laughs) Perfect example. We're going Star Trek. Yeah. Look at Picard. Look at the writing of Star Trek Picard. Oh, God. I mean, versus like, the next yeah. generation. It is well, objectively much worse. I mean, wait, hold like, on, hold on, hold on. Like, let's not look back with Jordy LaForge covered glasses here. The, the first season of Next Generation uh, is uh, the first two seasons of Next Generation are borderline horrible. They, they went over well because it was the first new Star Trek anybody had had in a while. And it was something new and interesting. So I'm going to give it that because the story was good, but the scripts were bad. The third yes. through whatever, fifth season are mostly gold. Mostly. Like, you know, um, like a high rate of, of landing, like, you know, significant strikes. Um, the last couple seasons... Hit or miss, but still good. Still better than the first two seasons. Um, but and you, all of it was better than Voyager. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, but you, you said something, and this is very important. You said the story was good, but the writing was bad. The story in Picard is not good. The writing in, in Picard is not even is bad. The good thing about Picard, I actually like the visuals of that show for the most yeah, part. I mean, like that's it. I, I would it. expect I, if it was bad visuals, I would be like, okay, you're actively like sabotaging the franchise at this point. But, uh, which they are, yeah. let's be honest. Now, you know, I don't think they're sabotaging the franchise. I think they have people in charge who do not like Star Trek and don't understand yeah. it and thus are trying to self insert. Yeah. Well, I would say this, uh, and this is, you know, this is tit for tat, whatever. There are, you're right. I think there are people that don't like it, which if you don't like it and you're doing this, you are sabotaging it in my in my estimation. Yeah. Now, if the, the other thing, though, is and this I think we see this so much is that people don't understand X, Y or Z in a character. And this kind of goes back to what she's saying in the sense of being more excited 
if you're if you're not excited to tell a story of Thor or tell the story of Captain America or any of these characters or the you know well I was going to say the X Men but they're not here yet any of these characters based on their history and you're not excited to if you if you don't think the stories you can tell with them are more exciting than these you know asshats that they're going to have behind the camera mm-hmm. I I don't know you're fundamentally missing the point of these characters and that's why despite what I read agreeing with what she's saying i 100 percent agree with that well i don't yeah. believe she's going to have the well one i don't think she has the experience and two i don't think she has the mindset to execute what she said correct so if you go further down like they have quotes from victoria alonzo who is feige's oh. right hand person who is just actively trying to ruin the mcu and she says here for yes. the longest time we heard a woman-led film would never open i'd say please check captain marvel made a lot of money then always told us that Black Panther was never going to open because nobody wanted a completely black cast, and that made $1.3 billion. So let me tell you, there are a ton of women-led movies that made a buttload of money long before Captain Marvel came out. Um, I do believe Wonder Woman came out before Captain Marvel. Am I correct? Yes. So, yes. yeah, and that made a lot of money. It had a bad third act, but it made a lot of money. Um, black Panther is not the first all-black cast movie to be well-received and do well. Now, it might be the first. It's the first that made $1.3 billion. But just like Captain Marvel, it's required reading for the MCU. Or hold on. Black Panther is actually required reading for the MCU. Captain Marvel, they Mm -hmm. told you it was required reading for the MCU. And then Bait and Switched you back to the 90s. So you tell me, like... Which of those two movies, even though I think they're they're both at the bottom of the uh, the MCU barrel, and and keep in mind there's two MCU movies that I I, I won't see, uh, at least in theaters. I might watch them if they're free at some point. Um, Sean Chi and and the the Eternals, but yeah, I mean what she's talking about, it's like okay, you 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 know that Tyler Perry has had all black cast and made massive amounts of money massive and you know i know people like kind of trash tyler perry i 100 percent respect what that dude does with movie making he takes these shoestring budgets makes movies that are, are are relatively funny um i think movies that are even a little more um mainstream than you would think as far as like the kind of jokes that are in there um and it's it's mostly fun like I don't, I don't feel like he does a lot of preaching in there, all the time. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I, th- I think, I think Marvel, Disney, uh, has a way of looking at things, saying, you know, well, no, we're the first ones who have ever done this. Yes, <laughs> just like you know how they tout Black Panther, not just for an all black cast, but as a black superhero. But, yeah, you, you all are. Yeah, you are like twenty almost. Well, yeah, it was twenty years. Yeah, steel before you. Yeah, blank man. Oh god. Yeah. Uh, what was that? Uh, there's a couple other ones too. I mean, there's been, but a bunch, like but just yeah. even. But here's yeah. the thing. But just if it fact- wasn't for Blade, there mm-hmm. would be no MCU. Blade. Everyone, everyone looks at 2008 as the kickoff of the MCU, and everyone, like you know, and I think what what 2008 was was like, hey, we're actually going to take the the Marvel comic book movies seriously, Blade took the character of blade very seriously uh we got a great movie out of it i think that might be the last good thing david s goyer wrote 
um, who should not be allowed to write his name on a napkin. Just we we haven't said that in a while, uh, but it, it needs to be noted. But but yeah, it's just I don't know. I'm so over the MCU right now. I've had I've had a bunch of people like, "What'd you think of the Eternals?" I said, "I don't know. I'm not going to watch that crap." And it's not crap you know, because I... it has a diverse cast. It's crap because they don't care about the story. It's crap because they don't care about what they're actually doing. And it's crap because they don't care that they broke their own universe in one movie. Yeah. And again, if diversity and inclusion, which are two words I'm so tired of hearing, (laughs) is your number one goal when you're writing something, don't write it. Yeah. Because you don't have the best interest of the characters or the story or the audience in mind when you're doing it. That's I, I will tell that to anyone. If that is your number one goal, diversity and inclusion, when you're writing a script of anything, stop right there and go reevaluate your life. Yeah. Because that's a problem right. when you're telling a story. Right. That's the no- number one should be the characters and this and or the story, depending on what type of if it's plot driven or character driven. That's in the important thing. Diversity inclusion, you're in something like that. No. And as far as Eternals, it's such a joke looking at the... And again, I I haven't seen it. I, I've listened to people that I trust. And again, they didn't say it was terrible, but they just said it was meh. Yeah. Eh. Yeah. Eh. We've and had the fact that, meh, and, eh, eh, movies from, yeah. from Marvel. And the, and, and the fact that, you know, they have all this diversity, which again, we know it's forced diversity, and they don't write a line. It, like, why... All right, all right, all right, hold on, hold on. We're gonna get anyway. To, we're gonna get, get to let's that. Just, let's, yeah. let's 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 yeah. uh. So switching gears, we're gonna we're gonna come back to the Eternals, but the Dune box office because I really want to talk about the boot Dune box office. Yes. Because yeah. these all of these publications, all of these like deadlines, Hollywood reporters are lying. <clears throat> They're uh like I the this one from Deadline Dune the spice is right as pick tops three hundred million at global box office. It took almost two months because it's been out since September 15th overseas. It took almost two months for this movie to reach $300 million. How is that? The spice is right. How about Dune, a niche movie, which was going to underperform seriously underperformed. Um, It's only made, what has it made? It's made, oh, wrong one. Um, It's made $83 million at the domestic box office. Almost, all right, I'm going to round up. It's made $84 million at the domestic box office. It opened to 41. So in the three weeks it's been open, it's it's only made $83 million. That is good. a bomb for that a $250 million dollar movie. It's, it's worldwide right now, as of today, right this moment, according to Box Office Mojo, is $330 million and change. That is almost entirely the international box office, which is 74% of the box office, uh, which is horrible. China is only 33 million. I think that's the biggest. Yeah. So, yeah, China's the next biggest. So, I mean, France has 24, Germany, 19 million. Sorry, talking million. United Kingdom, 18. Everything else is in the single digit millions or the hundred thousands. Um, it opened on a massive number of screens, massive number, and uh, oh, I'm sorry, Russia had 21 million as well. 
But it is uh, Dune is so underperforming. I am shocked, shocked <laughs> that they announced that they're going to do a sequel. That they've greenlit the sequel from Denis Villeneuve. Um, before we before we start talking about that, how did do we ever get the numbers from HBO Max? As far as uh, I know, there was some company that sends that has some number, but I didn't know if there were any numbers for that first week as far as how many stream how many households stream dune um no they they haven't put that out i mean they're not gonna put that out i mean they're only they would well they would put put that that out out. if it was yeah if it was was massive yeah it's like uh it's like dc with the the john kent uh issue five like it's done unprecedented numbers Okay, well, unprecedented can mean a lot of things. Did it sell 500,000 copies? Did it sell no. 20,000 copies? You t- you know, it, it's just it's one of those things. Everyone I know, including myself who was collecting that book, ha- dropped it at issue 3 before they even announced mm-hmm. all of this. Because he's a tyrant and it's just not a good book. Yeah, it and again, it's not even the fact that he's a tyrant because you could have made that, even though I would have, as a character, I would have said, that sucks that you're doing that to Jonathan Kent. If it was done in a compelling way. But no, it's not. It's a ter- it's a terribly written book. Oh, it's, it's terrible. God awful. It has, and again, it the fact that they, they made Jonathan the way he is, that's just an after effect mm-hmm. of a, a part of the bad writing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they talking about what we just talked about with, Laura, you know, about the characters of, you know, people behind the you know, sets or whatever behind the camera is more exciting. If you can't make a character exciting, that's on you. Because like you said, you're the writer. So, but yeah, it's, it's a terrible, anyway, terrible the, book. The Dune, but the Dune box far- office, like everyone's talking about, oh, it's a triumph. It's done this, it's done that. It's a huge disappointment. It, it's another, it's a $200 million movie. Or I'm sorry, it was a $160 million movie. It still hasn't made its money yet. Um, it's, it's in that like vein of James Bond. I mean, James Bond's been out for what, a month and a half now, and it's just crossed 670 million. Um, and you can't blame the pandemic because it's been on four, it was on 4,100 screens. Dune was for the first two weeks. It was out with nothing that was anywhere close to competition. But again, we've talked about this ad nauseum for a year or so that Dune is not going to make is not going to be the blockbuster they're trying to tout it out to be. I'm just I'm by simple fact. One of the, of the biggest Dune fans on the planet. Yes. And I the are. very first thing Confirmed. I said is this is a niche. It's not gonna do what they think it's gonna do. There are too many people who have it ingrained in their head that Dune is boring. Dune is is heavy. And when you when you come out and you have a visually stunning movie that doesn't say or actually do anything it's the word of mouth killed it. It's like, so not only is it boring, but it, nothing happens. Imagine if star Wars had been like, well, you know, we might make a second movie. So let's not tell a complete story. (laughs) Let's, let's, let's end it as Luke is flying to Yavin from the first, first death star. Yeah. Let's not even have the trench run. Let's, let's like, Ended there. Whereas, again, I mean, we talked about this. When when 
Dune should have ended the first movie of Dune, Dune Part One, should have ended with Paul and Jessica flying their ornithopters, the ornithopter into the storm, and and fade to black. Dune will return. You know, uh, the story of Dune is far from over. Uh, that would have been the way to do it. Of course, they didn't include Aralon, so there's no narrator. <laughs> so, oh, it's so infuriating. I, 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 I'm so fed up with all of this stuff right now. Um, I will yeah. say, I really like Robin. The Robin comic is great. Um, one of the two movies that we saw or that we're talking about today is great. I love it. It's so much fun. It is, uh, it's a breath of fresh air. Um, UFC, if you guys are into sports, AEW, if you're into wrestling, both breaths of fresh air with creativity and what's happening in those sports right now. Um, there was a guy last night who got knocked out by a knee strike to the midsection. Well, TKO'd by a knee strike to the midsection. And I want to say, I don't remember who the ref was in that match, but kudos to him for stopping that fight when he did. Because yeah. the the dude who, who took the knee did not need to get beat over the head with a bunch of hammer fists. That was I yeah. was that was the thing I found most impressive about what happened there. Um, plus, yeah, that the was vicious. Usman Colby Covington match was a goddamn war. Um, so, yeah, I it, it's it's just it's stuff like this. Um, and you know, here we'll we'll hop over to um, to the Eternals now. Um, just sticking with box office. Um, it, it's just the disingenuous nature <laughs> of what's happening here. Uh, Eternals opened to $71 million. Uh, when, when it first hit the tracking numbers, they were saying 125 Then that got dropped down to 85 to 95 um, And they were saying it was going to make over 80 all up until this week. It made 71 Now, again, this is a $200 million movie. Now, this one didn't get pushed back very far, if at all. Um, <clears throat> but I love how they were making this thing. Like They're like, well, on Thursday night, it made $8.5 million. Black Widow made 17. Chang Chi made 17. Dune, or Dune, uh, Venom made 17. Dune made like nine or 10. Six. Was it six? Oh, oh, oh. I mean, I think. I Dune, don't know. Dune, I didn't know. Dune wasn't, was. I don't think Dune did horribly on Thursday night, but it didn't. It wasn't like Black Widow, Venom, or Shang Chi uh, numbers. But they're talking about this like it made eight point five, and it's it's trending to be ahead, and it's trending to break two hundred thousand. Um, so it's it's opened worldwide. Um, it made one hundred and sixty one total worldwide. Uh, that being said, it's not opening in China. It's not opening anywhere in the Middle East. Um, so those are the places that like these movies still do well. I mean, this is another one like Shang Chi that was made for China. Imagine if Shang Chi would have opened in China, what it would have done. Yep. And I haven't seen it. And by all, by everything I understand, is it is actually a fun movie. Yeah. Um. the The hero is not Sean; it's his sister. But you know, it's still you know a fun movie, right? Um. But. You, you can't take 10 characters and introduce them and say, this is our movie now. Go. And it opened in 4,090 theaters. 
and it's a two hour and 37 minute runtime. It is seven minutes shorter than um, Infinity War, which to me is the absolute best achievement in MCU filmmaking. Yeah, I I, I would agree. Endgame can fuck off. Infinity War was the best achievement of the MCU. It's not the best movie in the MCU. That is yeah, that that's is, different. Different. That is yeah. hallowed ground reserved for Guardians of the Galaxy and Captain America Winter Soldier. That's it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and again, one of the things in this article, it says stacked up against other MCU movies distributed by Disney since 2012, Eternals has outperformed only Ant-Man, <laughs> which opened domestically at 57.2 million in 2015. Yeah. So I, I've seen a lot of people talking about like Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, what was the other one? Um, there's a couple of the, those like uh, oh uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp and um, oh what was the other crap I can't find it now um, it was another one where it's the first time with the character with the character anyway um, you know th- this is this is a the Eternals are like the wannabe Jack Kirby new gods and in in just the the fact that they exist and the fact that we did not see them during Endgame tells you Marvel has just broken their universe. I know, and again, I know people say I, I have not out of the videos that I've watched about this. I don't recall anyone saying that the reason that they give for this was actually compelling. No, which again. I said this uh, I don't, a while ago where there is, n- even without seeing it, there's not going to be a strong enough reason for us to get to say why these people, why these individuals, why these Eternals decided to just hang out. Oh, because the Celestial told us to, really? Is, is that so, it? So you're not, you're not actually heroes then because you, no, know, you you're didn't not. go and help. And, you know, it, it's like, you know, it's the... Uh, it's the the skittles of diversity, right? It's like let let's just check every possible box, um, to the point where they just said, "All right, we're in in honor of Diversity Month, we're only going to put out white skittles," <laughs> which is a thing that happened. It is a thing that happened. Yeah, you think? Yeah, they were so stupid that they thought that that was okay. Um, this is how crazy people have gone. Uh, the other thing is is the the people who are coming out of this. Are when they're saying, "Hey, what did you think of this?" They're like, "Hey, no, we we do not we do not like this movie. No, we we will not see this again." And I think something like sixteen percent of people said, "Yeah, I'll watch it again, but I'm going to pirate it." <laughs> so that means like thirty percent, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, <sighs> yeah. Yeah, it says Eternal scored a mediocre 48 on review aggregation site Rotten Tomatoes, which is significantly lower lower than Shang-Chi, 92%, Black Widow, 79%, or even Venom, 59%. Mm -hmm. Oh, I mean, let's not even, we haven't even talked about the fact this is the first ever Marvel movie that's rotten by the access mainstream media. The people this was written for said no thank you. And now it's being positive review bombed on Rotten Tomatoes for the fan score. Are they going to take those down? No, they're absolutely not because uh, you can only review bomb <laughs> something if it's a negative review. 
So, yeah, I just I I think uh, I I I think this is this is the beginning of the end for the MCU. Um, I think Spider Man No Way Home will suffer because of this movie, much like uh, Solo did because of the Last Jedi. Did you know Solo lost money? I did, and Raylos are weird. <laughs> Thanks, Jeremy. Um, anyway, <laughs> let's go, Brandon. Right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> any, anyway, uh, <laughs> sorry, I just had to. I have mine on right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I, I do I, I don't think I don't think Spider Man is going to be the sacrificial lamb that Solo was. Um because no, no, Spider Man does not have the uh the baggage that goes along with Solo um and in the the nightmare scenario that Kathleen Kennedy put together there. But I do think Spider Man's numbers are going to falter for, for this because people are like, Okay, I, Black Widow was bad. People have varying degrees of, of Shanchi, um, and then this is bad. I mean, this is this is yeah. this is not objectively bad. This is su- a subjectively bad movie. When cross-platform access media critics who are now going to not be invited to something because they wrote a bad review of this said no, thank you. Yeah, and even and, and, and the, the reviews are 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 so pussyfooted around right i was gonna say even the fresh reviews if you read some of them it's if you didn't see the score or that it was fresh you would wonder oh this has to be a negative review right right so and again i think your point of talking about this is not just eternals eternals this this has all been led up from black widow which was again extremely disappointing Mm -hmm. Shang-Chi, which was, again, this was one of those that's, for me, it was, meh. Some very, it had some fun parts, but overall, it was a sloppy movie as far as script and everything. Mm-hmm. It had good parts, don't get me wrong. And this, again, haven't seen it yet, just going by people that I trust as far as reviewers. And I'm not, and when I say reviewers I trust, I don't mean mainstream access media. Right. You add that in, I yeah, Spider Man's absolutely going to suffer. I, I really, it's really, it'll be really disappointing if No Way Home is a, a straw, a very good entry into the MCU, but it suffers because of 2020 and how, or 2020 and 2021, how these movies this year have just not been good, and yeah. have forgotten. I was going to say, for, well, I don't know. This is a story you probably forgotten the face of their fathers to <laughs> yeah. quote a Dark Tower reference. I know the reference. I mean, obviously, I don't like Stephen oh, King, yeah. so, but um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it, it's 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 disheartening at uh, at best. But but what did they say? What was the finale of Star Trek called? Star Trek: The Next Generation. All good things. Yep. So. All good things. All right, let's move on to our first of two movie reviews. Uh, the Green Knight. So in, in case you did not hear about this movie, uh, the summary 
King Arthur's headstrong nephew embarks on a daring quest to confront the Green Knight, a mysterious giant who appears at Camelot. Risking his head, he sets off on an epic adventure to prove himself before his family in court. Um, this is written and directed by David Lowry, starring Dev Patel. Um, so when we get Emily to Super the Candor. oh yeah, I forgot. And when we get, oh, she's barely in it. Um, when we get to the ratings, this is going to be out of ten headless stories. <laughs> Spoilers. Um, okay. So I'm going to share my initial impression and I'm going to shut up because I want to hear what you have to say, because I'm really curious about what you have to say, because we have not talked about this. Um, so it took me four tries to get through this without falling asleep. Um, it is the most beautiful student art film I've ever seen. Ah. <laughs> uh. Well, it took me, I tried twice before I actually got through it. Uh, my first, my first, you know, note on this is this is as a 24 of a movie as it can be. <laughs> and it's, there's a kookiness about it. The, you know, the, I, I love the visuals of it. It's almost, there's, there's, there's a minimalistic uh, kind of, tone to you know the visuals but but at the same time it's grand if you know that makes sense it, it's it's kind of you know that uh, it's kind of on both ends of the spectrum as far as i can't quite argue with the student film aspect <laughs> because there was a solid cast i thought it was technically you know from from the audio and the visual perspective pretty strong but there was a lot of stuff in there that just seemed off. And, and one of the things I wrote, I said aspects were some, you know, somewhat slow and confusing. Mm -hmm. There were aspects of this movie where it was, I think they were going in the right direction. But they're, it was, it's along those lines of execution. And again, this is based on I don't remember the the stories like Sir Gawain, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, I think. Yep, which based uh, uh, I, by anonymous. <laughs> by anon. <laughs> so it's one of those things that, and again, we're both fans of you know, stories that are Arthurian legend and everything. That's again, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. Love that movie, despite its severe issues here and there. Oh, it's a hundred percent a Guy Ritchie movie, and like. It's, yeah, oh, it's what it needed to be to be a Guy Ritchie movie. Um, yes. Th I mean, this movie has one of my favorite actors, Dev Patel. I love Dev Patel. I've loved Dev Patel since Slumdog He was your Ezra Miller. Uh, he should be Ezra what, Bridger. Uh, Ezra Miller can fuck off. Ezra, um, Ezra Miller. <laughs> Ezra Bridger. <laughs> Ezra Miller can run as fast as his skinny little chicken legs can take him into a wall. Anyway. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Tell me how you feel. It's got Joel Edgerton. It's got Sean Harris from the Mission Impossible movies, who was a completely different Arthur than we've ever seen before. Um, you know, I, the Green Knight looked amazing. Like the the the, the I love effects, that dude's voice. The the cro cross of effects and makeup um, that was Ralph Innocent was Innocent. the voice yeah, he... of the Green Knight. Um, 
who has been in he was the father in the witch yeah oh yeah he was also in um he was in uh, Game of Thrones, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, he was also in Kingsman and the Secret Service. Oh, and he was uh, one of the um, one of the bad guys, or one of the auras in the last two Harry Potter movies. Uh, anyway, but <laughs> he was he was the. There are things about this that are genuinely really well done. The fox, the fox was really cool. Yes, apparently that re- Patrick that remind- Duffy was the person who made the sounds for the fox. Um. That's what people think. Uh, anyway, <laughs> it's it's one of those things that um, I didn't know anybody's name other than Sir Gowan and King Arthur. Well, and and they don't say anybody's. Yeah, they, um, they don't like Joel Edgerton in the cast. He's 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 right. the Lord, just the Lord. And yeah. Alicia Vikander, Essel was was Alicia Vikander's yeah. character with Dev Patel, but she was also the lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, you know, he had his mother who was played by what Sarita Char- Chartery. She's uh, been yeah. in a lot of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I mean, she's and, great, but it says but... she's more. Yeah, more, I love. Yeah, she's oh. good in everything. But yeah, there was again. It's I mean, and Aaron, Aaron Kellerman I, was in it, and that took me out of it, and I was like, oh god, her again, her at least her head fell off. Uh, spoilers. Um, <laughs> But yeah, this for me goes down. So A24, we're we're big fans of A24 as a studio. Oh, I love A24. I'm not yeah. saying A24 can do no wrong, but I, I hold A24, especially when it comes to storytelling, to a pretty high budget. Now, here's the other thing. Considering how beautiful this student film looks, it had a $15 million budget. That's it? That's it. Well, they... They are some wizards at budgets and making yeah. so, solid films. It's, uh, yeah, I, I will say, so the last 20 minutes of this movie, one, I called it because Angel came down as I was finishing. And, and you know, um, when it's uh, this is your life, Sir Gwen. Um spoilers, it's all just a dream sequence for him to become ready for death. Uh I totally, I was like, he's totally having a dream sequence because nobody's talked for the last 20 minutes and it just keeps jumping. Around oh, absolutely. Endlessly. Yeah. Which was stupid. Like it would have been well, so much better to take some of the middle of the quest out and actually have him live his life, bring Camelot to ruin, and then go back and, and you know, get his comeuppance. Yeah. So... I actually thought that, well, I, I have this, and this is funny. I have going back to, you know, two things can be true. That part, I really like how the aspect of his life played out and what, what we saw. Mm-hmm. What I didn't like was the fact that it was a dream sequence. And, and yes, the second it started when no one is talking, mm-hmm. you knew what it was. I knew what it was. Yeah. I mean, but that's and not how his life played out. It's how his life would have played out. Could have played out, yes. Had he, and, had he shown restraint. And that's what the real story of Sir Gwen and the Green Knight is, is to show restraint. Because the Christmas game was, he said clearly, you you, you this is have to land a strike against me, and 
in a year, you come to me and I will return the return blow next. or less. And Sir Gwen, well, just Gwen at the time, uh, who is a drunken Lothario, uh, yes, cuts his head off because he didn't listen. And, and, and even and the Green Arthur Knight even said, him. "Well, Arthur tells him, but the Green Knight says you understand the rules." Yes. Although Arthur I will say that Excalibur was pretty sick looking. Yeah. Sorry. Well, Arthur tells him this is a game. Yeah. He says that. And then again, to your point, the Green Knight says that. And I, I like how you said it. it's about restraint. And if we would have seen more of, you know, that this is your life perspective, instead of seeing that long drawn out tale with the, you know, the scavenger and, and, yeah. and everything who's who was played by, was it Barry? Oh, yeah. Uh, was, Ke- uh, Ke- Ke- Keown, who he plays was the, Druig in he the He was supposed Eternal. to be the original uh, Yorick Brown in um, Why Not oh, the Last in, Man. I didn't know that. Maybe he jumped ship in time. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was smart. I think. I think the Green Knight is what kept him from doing that. Oh, so yeah, he's probably like, thank God, thank God for the Green Knight. Yeah, that's just something. But lot. yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's again story versus execution. And again, I will absolutely go. I will absolutely watch this again because I think I need to watch it again for and again just because of the trouble I had to starting it off with it. And I, I was just like, it was my concentration was not where it needed to be. The first couple times I tried this movie well, you and also I had didn't go back and start way. it from the beginning. You know. Yeah. Oh, see, I started again, over I, every time I started from the beginning. Every yeah. time I did not start where I left off. But um, let's see. Way, I watched this. Me, or... you, you owe me $10. So you have my Venmo, <laughs> but, but again, this is, you have my Venmo. Again, this this show this is a difference between this movie and say uh, another movie that started off a little slow for me that I watch around the same time, like maybe a day later, mm-hmm. is uh, the color Color Out of Space, which was a very interesting movie. Uh, Nicholas Cage. Uh, yeah, that was interesting. Mm-hmm. I'll just say that. And but this one, I I, I want to see it again because again, like you said, visually it was beautiful. Uh, yeah, like I, I and there's some good acting in this, but a good acting, great visuals. It's a, even strong soundtrack. It does not make a movie. It's a catalog great. of missed opportunities. It, it was, it was a whole that did not equal the sum of its parts. And you're you and I have very different thoughts about the the sound in this movie because there's this just low level. The entire movie that just made me want to drill a hole in my head. Yeah, and again, I'm maybe this may have helped because I listened to this with my headphones and I actually like surround sound. Yeah, and I thought, and again, that might that might have affected it in a positive direction. But I actually, I yeah, I did like the sound of this. That that sound yeah. was used to artificially yeah. build tension when the story wasn't capable of doing that oh yeah there were there, yeah there were definitely a couple moments where again talking about restraint again <laughs> you know you, you have to pull back sometimes you do and um, you do you do so yeah the, i i will agree like how you said missed opportunities yeah this yeah. is an example of missed opportunities again 
I, this is only from one viewing. So I, I do, I will absolutely watch it again, yeah. probably sometime down the road. Not, not anytime soon. I sure. still have a whole bunch of movies to watch, but I, I enjoyed it. it. It's not, it's not definitely not my favorite A24 movie. It's right. definitely not my favorite Arthurian tale. Right. I, I think it's a decent, I'm not going to even say solid. I think it's a decent movie that could have been so much better. I mean, what I really liked is that we got Solomon Lane and Lisa Aaron as um, <laughs> Arthur and Guinevere. <laughs> um, no, I, you know, and I think Dev, Dev Patel did a really good job making more of what he was given to work with. Um, Agree. I think this theme can go uh, for Alicia Vikander. Um, I think there wasn't enough Joel Edgerton for my taste, but I like Joel Edgerton. So, um, and then uh, Serata, I don't know how to say her last name, Morgan Le Fay, um, was used perfectly. Yes. Everything else was just too too much too much frail arthur uh the 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 fact that arthur and and guinevere looked like in any second they were about to fall over and die from the minute we met them i thought was was just strange and and a really weird take and then the other thing is and i know i know the story because being a arthurian legend fan um the fact that none of the other knights that they all kind of just put their swords away was, was kind of silly because that's that's not that's not how the the knights of you know the non round table as the case would be uh the knights of the pulpit uh <laughs> would have gone so yeah and, and I, I was gonna ask you if you I, i've never read this before it's been years but yeah so. i mean it's i mean it was like i mean it's a it's a again it's it's one of those stories that are you know legend and and a tale as old as time if you will um but yeah i i I do think i think this is one of the movies that the pandemic just murdered and what in in the film as far as box office no i mean i think as far as as you know i i do i do think there's an audience for this movie um you know so you know my ratings 10 out of 10 headless stories right there's a part of me that wants to give this a two Mm -hmm. but it it is it, it deserves much more than a two and there 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 is an art house crowd that would have, I mean, it only made 18, just under $19 million on a $15 million budget. I, I think this easily would have been a 30 to $40 million movie in a, in a traditional release schedule. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So give me a rating out of 10 headless stories. I, I think I'm, I'm rounding it up. You know, I usually I, a sure. lot of times I give you half can. or quarter ratings. I'm 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 going to give this a six because again, there are movies that I've given higher, or and and higher that I won't watch again. This one I will absolutely watch again. It, it, it's again, it, it's an example like you said of mixed of missed opportunities. But there's enough in this, what I saw for me to want to dive back into it. Yeah. at least one more time. All right, uh, I'm going with a four. 
um, look for my request that I sent you for the ten dollars uh, for Venmo. Um, <laughs> because <laughs> you're like we're gonna review no i'm kidding you weren't like that at all but uh no i, I think a four out of ten is fair I, I think this is objectively a bad movie i think the the fact that it's beautiful um is one thing but the fact that there's like even with Gwen, you don't there there's there there's not a lot to like about him or root for um no, there's not. And in that for for me when it's a hero's journey like this and this was a traditional hero's journey um that he didn't actually live up to anything until uh the green knight says now uh off with your head. <laughs> so, um did you see the little end credit thing? Yes, I did. With the little girl playing with the crown. So, yeah. Yeah. I thought that was funny. That was his 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 real life baby that he had. With his baby mama drama. Uh, so Yeah. But anyway. Uh yeah, I, I, I think, you know, I honestly it, I could have gone lower. I, I could have gone higher. I decided a four is fair. Um I, I like the cast, so that's why I'm a little disappointed. Um it got an extra point for Dev, um, but then it lost a point for Aaron Kellyman. So I really do not <laughs> like her. Out. I really do not like her as an actor. What else has she been in? Solo, Virtue Signal, and the Neutered Soldier. Oh, her. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. She's. Yeah. She's. I forgot. We we forgot we, we spent was. we spent six weeks bashing her on our Patreon. Did I, you know, you <laughs> so. know what's funny? Until until these these last 20, 15 seconds, I completely forgot she was in the movie and forgot her. She had a character in the movie. I yeah, completely was, forgot. Uh, about yeah, she was Winifred. Did she yeah. even had a title com- card? Saint yeah. Winifred. Completely forgot about that. Saint Winifred in the which, missing which, skull dreams. Yeah, that should tell you how how interested I was in her part in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's just I don't know. I liked how weird it was. I really did. I liked the weirdness. I thought the weirdness was very interesting. Um, Which again, a twenty four does weirdness. Yeah, I, I and just, unsettling. It was just a bad. Usually, I use it pretty bad well, execution but, of the story. Again, it's a you know another yeah. example of a movie that I wanted to see by a twenty four, and I thought they just didn't drop the ball on was Midsummer. That was movie was so boring. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it happens. I mean, huh. I love the witch. I like, yeah, I like. I mean, I like Hereditary. I like. I like King Arthur. So you know, I mean, I was gonna see this anyway. So you don't actually owe me ten bucks, but um, <laughs> or you do. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's, I don't know. I stand by my score. Yeah, that's fair. But how about something a little bit more positive? Uh yeah, let's let's talk about something a little more positive. Uh Army of Thieves. I was shocked by how much I enjoyed this movie. Shocked. Um so this one we're we're going to do ratings out of 10 uncrackable safes. Um <laughs> So this is the prequel to Army of the Dead. Uh a mysterious woman recruits bank teller Dieter, which that's not true. Bank well, teller Sebastian. Not, yeah. So I'm gonna fix that right here. Um, thank you very much. Um, 
to assist in a heist of impossible to crack safes across Europe. Uh, so this was written, the screenplay was by Shay Hatton. Uh, story was by Zack Snyder and Shay Hatton. And it was directed by Matthias Schweigofer. 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 I'm going to go with Schweigofer. I'm going with the one name. Uh, Matthias, yeah. Let's just say this. Dieter from Army of the Dead. Yes. Sebastian <laughs> from Army of Thieves. Uh, I liked this better than Army of the Dead. And I liked Army of the Dead. So, like, this is not, like, not a knock on that at all. Uh, this one is definitely more my speed. Um, I, I just think I want to talk about the cast for a second. Because we had Matthias, who was awesome. We had Natalie uh, Emmanuel, who was Gwendolyn Starr, who has been Miss Sandy, and she was Ramsey in the the Fast movies, who I just love. I think she's great. Um, and then you had uh, Ruby Ophi as uh, Karina Dominguez, who was a hacker. One, smoking hot. She was smoking hot, right? We all agree. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she was the best character in this. I mean, outside of Dieter, she was the best character in in the, in this movie. She was just a, a like a ball of like whatever you needed her to be. She was the femme fatale. She was the hacker. She was kind of the the moral center for Gwen in a few places. Um, you know, I thought that was great. But really, who I liked was. Also, who I liked, let me rephrase this, was Stuart Martin as Brad Cage. <laughs> and Gus Khan was really good as Rolf, too. Um, the, the the heist crew was was just really good. And the fact that like Natalie Emanuel was like, they're they're like my family <laughs> like three times really made me giggle. <laughs> yeah, that was that, that was pretty funny. Um although she didn't drink Corona and that made me sad. <laughs> Or have a barbecue. Yeah. Um, I do want to call out one just kind of throwaway line. Um, the two guys that were driving the truck, moving the safe at the end of the movie that they hijacked, um, when they were talking about the zombie apocalypse breaking out, and they were talking about how shit American actors are, and they're like, well, I do like Zac Efron. And the guy's like, well, Zac Efron's a zombie <laughs> now. It was so funny. I mean, it was like, that was hilarious. Like That, that, was, that was like, nice. That, that was just really cool. Um, I will say the the scene at the end where uh Batista and what's her name? Spoilers, by the way. No, 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 no. This is just at the end. I'm talking about when they go to recruit him. That <laughs> should have been the beginning of the movie. It should have started there. And when he says, without humility, I am the person who gives you the best opportunity to do this. And then we get to learn why. I, I just yes. I, I think I think it would have added a whole lot more to see the Dieter we knew and then for him to say this and it opened up on Sebastian. Um it would have been just a, like even more of a powerful growth story. Yeah, it you would have a nice little animated title card going back like yep. X amount of months or whatever, what have you. I thought this this movie was a lot of fun. Yes. Again, I I it's tough to say which one I like better, this or Army of the Dead, just because I'm a huge zombie fan movie, but Army of the Dead 
it they just had one character that just I like heist it movies. Didn't, you know, so yeah, I mean, I, mean, I know yeah, Army we, of the Dead's we, a heist a, too, but yeah, yeah. There's something about the like I just love this story in the sense of, hey, we have the this yeah this guy Wagner mate for un, uncrackable saves yeah, and I just love the progression of how you know he starts with the, well, I just love how he gets introduced into this world into this you know into the safe cracking world Mm -hmm. and how he like you said how he grows as a character from this guy who's you know doing the same thing every day you know in the job he doesn't like trying to (laughs) trying to make youtube videos and making youtube videos and getting no hits no comments no likes nothing and just kind of grinding it out and i mean this guy has a special talent but he just never gets a chance to showcase it right and even when he first does you know it's that um you know that that nerdy guy who you know just has no confidence and not no real uh, no confidence in a social setting despite having confidence in what he's doing and i like the growth of you know this you know with him get and we get some of that backstory of Mm -hmm. why he goes by the name Dieter mm-hmm. we get you know some of the background of how he got to on the radar of um, you know the two characters from army of the dead right. in the beginning right I and again like you're talking about the heist factor and you know they, you know, you have conversations here or there that are you know are really enjoyed like the conversation between him and Gwendolyn when he tells her about hey I'm you know I wrote this comic or whatever and I made wrote this story about a character named Dieter and just going into that and you know it's, it's something really relatable mm-hmm. in the sense of you know everyone no matter you know how confident they are there's something in their lives or in their past where they could see themselves as you know i had this dream or i had you know this idea of doing something but for whatever reason i didn't do it and you know her giving him being that sounding board and kind of pushing him forward in a way that he wasn't expecting and he was too afraid to, to do himself. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing too, is like the fact that the three safes they have to break are, are all Hans Wagner safes and the safe he breaks in or cracks, whatever, uh, in army of the dead is a Wagner safe as well. And the, they're a story, right? And again, I think knowing how he got to the, that point of the story, to see how like the beginning and the middle and then the uh the one that Batista gives him is the end uh was was really 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 cool um or would have been really cool instead of it just kind of being tacked on there at the end uh I agree with everything you said um I really liked uh Gwendolyn's backstory as well uh you know she was stealing watches at 6 and you know, she was on Interpol's radar by the time she was 16. And, you know, she's just this, like, she's like Storm from X-Men without the mutant powers when it comes to being, like, a thief. Um, and instead of being found by, you know, uh, someone who can help harness her gifts, she builds her own pseudo-family and continues to give into, like, the darkness in her. And I thought yeah. the way Sebastian in particular brought her around was really cool. Yeah. 
uh, agree. And, and again, one of the things you also mentioned is Karina's importance in all of this because she was kind of that. She was she was in the background, but not right in the sense of she was. She made her you know she made herself known, but you know she didn't she didn't have the pizzazz of you know Rolf or mm-hmm. you know the the insecurities of of you know Brad Cage, Brad Cage. that you know play out in the. <laughs> You got played out in the way he, Brad Cage. Brad Cage. Um, So yeah. So there, there's two scenes with Karina that I really liked. One when she was hitting on Sebastian, and she's like, "Do you want to make out?" Um, And she realizes he's looking at Gwendolyn, and she's like, "Okay." But like before that, he was like, "This is good music," and she goes, "Yeah, I only DJ my own music." Um, (laughs) I thought that was really funny. (laughs) And then later on in that same like mid high uh, post heist pre heist planning when Sebastian and Gwendolyn are, are in the other room talking and, and, and Brad is freaking out. She's just sitting there dancing, you know, in the background just to herself. <laughs> and like, she's dancing, like there's other people dancing with her. And, and that, that tells you everything you need to know about her. Um, but the coolest moment was when she texts run and drops the phone and kicks it under the car tire. It's like one, I know it's a movie, but two, that was just cool. It was just cool. Yes, like yes, she exuded cool and a great stomach. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I was I was definitely a uh, a fan of Rubio. A fan, yeah, I, I, I like Rubio Fee now. Um, I'm it's like oh, we should check out what else she's been in, which she's done a bunch. So, but just not here. Yeah, this same with um, Matthias as well. He's done yeah. a lot of stuff, and it's you know, and, and I I love that guy. I love him. He's, yeah, I mean, we love him car- with with yeah Army of the Dead. Yeah, there he just has that like just almost that, that he has a geeky charisma mm-hmm. of someone that is trying to you know fit in into the like I said like I said earlier the social setting of whatever he is, but doesn't necessarily know how. And it just comes off as so endearing. Well, I mean, even that, Rolf said him. And, and to like er- the little guy. <laughs> yeah. And and he has such an earnestness. And and again, this is not anything new from, but we just get more of it here. And we get more of the, I guess, the foundation of his character here yeah. than we did in Army of the Dead. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, I, I think, and again, and you told me this, I didn't even realize he directed this. Yeah. I was, which, as I was putting together the, the show, it's like, um, He's like, yeah. do you know he directed this? I'm like, what are you talking about? And I just didn't connect the dots when you know you get the title, you know the the names. And yeah, everything. you know sometimes that happens. Um, but yeah, I mean, but he's he's directed he directed what a man. Um, which hold on, I'm assuming. So that was a 2011 German comedy. Um, he directed uh, in 2013 the which I don't know what that is. 2014, The Joy of Fatherhood, another German comedy. Uh, 2015, The Manny, or Der Manny, um, another German comedy. Uh, 2017, You Are Wanted, which is a German drama series that was directed, produced, and starring him. So, yeah. um, This is of the, what, six? Six major things he's directed and produced. This is one of three that he didn't write himself. Um but yeah, I mean, he's he's highly highly recognized in um, in Germany and and for uh, 
for his work. Uh, it's 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 fun to see him here, um, doing more stuff in the Saints or states. But yeah, I mean, he's got, you know, he's got a pretty impressive like arm, uh, arm IMDb. Yeah, I, I noticed that too because I thought again. And, and and over the last couple of years, I've been delving a little bit more into, you know, international cinema. Oh, oh bless your little heart. All sophisticated and everything. But... Look at you, <laughs> drinking your but... drinking your Miller Light, Miller High Life with your pinky out. <laughs> but I, oh, no, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, some of the... There's less carbs. <laughs> <laughs> I was just drinking bourbon. Thank you very much. Yeah. With your pinky so, out, I, it's just he was in Valkyrie too. By the so, way, sorry. Oh, the Tom Cruise one. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, just you know, you're finding out more. Some of these actors that I see, and you know, sometimes they play smaller parts, but the, just because we're introduced to them, you know, going back and checking out their back catalog and seeing, you know, and just kind of expanding because I never heard of the guy before Army of the Dead, like never seen him anything like that, and it, it makes sense. Because you know, we're in US. Most of the stuff I watch is US based. And so I like seeing getting introduced to actors mm-hmm. like this who like who who I, I don't know anything about and I just go back and say, Oh, okay. Like the uh, like the guy who plays Gilgamesh in in Eternals, you know, I first saw him in Train to Busan. Mm-hmm. And then I go back, and there are so many movies he's done in Korea, and a couple of which I'm like absolutely on my list to check out. I just have to things watch like that. that. Train to what? Train to Busan. Yeah. And it's, the, it's so much. And the Busanese Peninsula, or whatever it's called. Yeah, it's so great. So. Peninsula. I still haven't finished the sequel yeah. to that, but uh, um, it's a fun movie. But yeah, but I yeah. no, you're right. I mean, like all all of these all of these actors, you know, they they do other other things, and and um, I I, I liked uh, I also like Delacroix, the um, the Interpol agent, because he wasn't corrupt, right? He was just a cop, and at one point he makes a mistake because of his hubris, but at no point is like, okay, this guy's just off the rails, he's evil. No, he's trying to catch the bad guys, and he's trying to do it right. And I appreciated that. Yeah, and, and again, this just because it, just protagonist doesn't mean good guy, mm. and that's yeah. Our protagonists are the bad guys. I mean, they're you know they're they're stealing shit, so they are the bad guys as much as you know affable yeah. and as charismatic as they are. And it, it yeah, I I do like when movies do that in the sense of. Well, the other Where thing, they too, is some... their motivation for stealing was different. Like, mm-hmm. for for Sebastian, you know, eventually Dieter, it was to crack those safes. You know, that was his life's work. Um, for Gwendolyn, it was to be a part of cracking those safes. Um, if you remember, she didn't care about the money. She didn't care about getting all of it. She just cared about getting some of what was in there to prove they had done what they'd done. Yeah. Whereas Brad was greedy. Brad, you know, uh, Rolf was greedy. Rolf was Rolf was great. Um, is it too late to change sides at the end? Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it, it's uh, the other. The, you know, the other scene I really, really liked was the um, the safe cracking competition. 
especially when he he walked up to the door, it was very like beer fest, right? Like he thought he knew what the uh, what the password was, but you know he wasn't sure. And then when he gets in, he no one tells him what's going on. He asks the guy, and the guy's just like whatever. And the lady who is like commentating calls him Mister Nervous Guy, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. And and when he when he gets you know he cracks the first save and then moves on the next round cracks the second save but then when he gets to the final the dude who was like he was like the safe cracking rock star of uh of whatever town they're in um what's it called post him um <laughs> you know he's like like he's got the long hair and the leather jacket and I loved the way Sebastian owned him. When he like just waited until the last thirty seconds to crack it, that was just, yeah, it was I, I like, love that. It was really cool. It, it was, so it was a moment where you see this dude in his element, and uh, I liked it. Yeah, and, and I like how they didn't they he didn't start off. It, you know, it was that drop you in, and you you're like, what the hell is going on? I have to figure this out, and and like his he was in that state of shock at first, where he's like, oh. Oh, I need, I know what I have to do now. Mm-hmm. And then once he got in his element, once he got in that rhythm, then he, you know, any of that awkwardness, any of that lack of confidence and insecurity, it left because he, you know, he's yeah. in front of a safe and he, he knows this, he knows these things. Yeah. And it's yeah, I did work. love how, you know? yeah. And I love how he, he was narrating like, Oh, mm-hmm. I, should I get started now? And yeah. Then he just does it in like ten seconds. Yeah, that right. last one was awesome. And then I love the I love the way they handled the like the safe cracking with the locks unlocking. Like that was cool animation. Um, it looked good. It didn't look too cartoony. Um, the other thing I really liked was when Brad turned on him and pushed him out of the van, and just the uh, the mountain biking skill he had uh, going through Prague was impressive. Yeah, that was that was a good scene. Uh, I had some, I did have some issues that I, I did. You know, we talk about, and and again, this is you're famous for talking about how movies are too long, mm-hmm. and this is another one of those examples of. I say, yeah, there was a couple scenes that could have been cut down. Yeah, a couple scenes that could have been cut out. Uh, the action. That scene you're talking about, you know, the bike riding through product, that was great. Mm-hmm. That, that was so well done. And he, you know, him trying to get on the train to get away. Like all of that I thought was fine. It, it was some of that hand-to-hand stuff yeah. that was I, and again, I know it was over the top for a reason. It could have been over the top and still been cut down by half. Especially because she didn't uh, kill anybody. She always used tranquilizer yeah. darts. Like she could have just done that instead of hitting people with a gun. Um yeah, yeah I, I will say uh 127 minutes, two hours and seven minutes is a long run time. Because I do believe I called you and said, Why the fuck is this movie over two hours? Yes. <laughs> yes, you did. So <laughs> uh as I as I was getting ready to watch it, I was like, hold hold on. Just a just 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 a second. Um, now that hold being up, said, hold up, hold up. I have dedicated nine hours and twenty-one minutes of my life to this movie, so uh, six hours and twenty-one minutes. Um, Let's say nine hours. No, six wait, hours wait, and twenty-one minutes to this movie. Uh, so yeah, I I, I enjoy it, uh, but it is it is this is legitimately fifteen minutes too long. Yeah, 
that's what that's what I have it at. And and you know, yes. um, all right, let's let's uh, let's score it. So out of ten uncrackable safes, Daryl G. Jasper gives it a seven out of ten. Seven out. Of 10. Uh, I still don't know if I enjoy it more than Army of the Dead. It definitely has fewer characters that I despise than Army of the Dead does. <laughs> that doesn't take away my enjoyment of the movie. So in that regard, it has a one-up on that movie. I love having more of Matthias Schwarhoff, Schwarhoff, Matthias in there. <laughs> I, 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 I love the, you know, how the family uh, that he is adopted into. I love their their dynamic. Yeah, I like how it makes sense how we get how they got separated. Mm. I love watching the whole safe cracking. Yeah, like all the safe cracking. I just love that. That was great. Yeah. So it's a seven out of ten with a one hundred percent will will rewatch this thing. Yeah. Like so in the future one hundred percent. I'm a, I'm gonna also go seven out of ten. Um, I don't give tens um, unless it's something truly spectacular and we have never seen something I think that's 10 worthy. Um, but yeah, I think a seven is a solid score for this. It takes into account that it's about 15 minutes too long. Um, also with Army of the Dead, I did not like Bautista's daughter. Um, and I do not like Tig Notaro as an actor, as a comedian, or as a person. So... Uh, that definitely took away enjoyment from that movie. But I like yeah, this. I like. I, I also like this better. This kind of heist movie better than the zombie heist movie, um, especially because this one was very clear. There was no blurry edges on anything to make me think my LASIK was going bad. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm. I am actually looking forward to seeing this army world that you know yeah. zach has promised us with this and see where he goes from here yeah it's a shame i, I, I definitely want sh- more it's a shame matthias dies in the or uh teeter dies in the uh army of the dead we never saw him die i mean come on he closed the door they were rushing at we him ne- if anything we never saw a, him die i think he's a zombie and actually no he we de- he's definitely dead because of the whole <laughs> nuclear bomb that landed on us. I was going to say, we never saw him die despite being surrounded by zombies and a nuclear explosion so, going off anyway. while he's outside of safe. So, so yeah. All right. Uh, cool. On that note, um, if you've listened this far, come see us at Fretboard. I have more T-shirts to give away this time than last time. I have cooler T-shirts to give away this time than last time. Um, from both of our stores. Not just Flying Pork, but also from our Threadless store. Um, and, yeah, look for me on TV on, uh, on on Wednesday night, Dynamite, on TNT at 8 to 10. I'll be looking, to, I'll be looking for you. <laughs> so, uh, cool. All right, so we are back to our regular schedule. We're go- um, are we going to record next Friday? Well, we'll figure that out. But um, I would like to re- release the fretboard one uh, midweek, but we'll see. Um, because again, Daryl has life issues going on right now that, you know, take precedent. Um, and that's understandable, but you know, he'll be fired soon. Uh, anyway, 
Uh, uh, oh, I have to talk to you after this. Anyway, um, you're not fired. But uh, so, yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for your patience with us for taking last week off and, and having a weird schedule this week. Um, like I said, we'll be back to normal starting next week. And we'll talk to you later. Peace out. Bye. DFS Podcast is recorded in Kings Mills, Ohio, just north of Cincinnati. You can find new episodes every Sunday on Apple Podcast, YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcast, our website, or anywhere podcasts are downloaded. This show is hosted by Daryl Jasper and me, Brian Tudor. To find more information about the show, visit us at infamouspodcast.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at infamouspodcast to keep up with the show. We also have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash infamous podcast. We have some great rewards for our patrons and are looking for help to grow the show to bring you more of the content you want to hear. Music for this podcast is provided by Michael Henry from meetmichaelhenry.com. So whenever you're listening to us, have a great day, night, evening, weekend, whenever it is, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.